Hey everybody, I'm your host, James Jackson, and this is a bonus episode of ArtCast. We are back from the 2023 CMA and SEMA annual conference, which was held at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. And boy, what a show. We had nine category managers and Shopper Insights people live on stage for rapid fire interviews. When we came back and listened to the recordings, it was just too good to follow that tagline, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. So we have created a highlight reel using some of the best clips from our event. Over the next 20 to 30 minutes, I'll walk you through conversations about their career journey, space management, storytelling, and more. We even have a special guest that sees an opportunity to use category management in the federal government. We thank all the guests who joined us on stage. It was a lot of fun. We hope you'll enjoy this special episode as we get in the trenches. If you have never listened to ArtCast, before we get into the trenches, we like our guests to share a little bit about their career journey. We did the same with my guests on stage at Caesars Palace. First off, we have Chris Conroy, head of field category leadership at Kraft Heinz, on how he got started. I started in shelf, so I started with the foundations. I worked for Floor Delaney, who's here, and now it's Google. Oh, okay, yeah. she was the first one that hired me in the industry, um, and that was really getting to understand what the retailers were interested in. I did my first job after working for Floor was on site at a customer five days a week. And it was probably the mo- one of the most important jobs because I learned what they care about. Understanding from a retailer's perspective. And then I really found some great shopper insights people that said, it's important to understand the retailer and the shopper. If you get those two, you're really down the path. Next, Doris Vaught, category lead for food, drug, and mass at Nature's Way, shared on how she learned and became accomplished at category management. I got exposed to it at General Mills, but then when I moved to Golden Pond, actually supporting the Target business, I realized there was a lot more I needed to know to be effective, and I need a bigger toolbox. And that's how I went and got training through CMA. And so, and that was so critical because then I had the pieces that I could create this robust plan for the category and be effective. And finally, Chrissy Love on how she gained a better understanding of what is entailed and the process that can impact other allied functions, including innovation. I got just a snippet. When I was on the supplier side, I really didn't understand. You know, someone would would come to me and I'd be like, okay, can you pass me a planogram or can you pass me the new item image if I was doing um, a graphic test? And they'd be like, we're not going to have that for six weeks. And I'm like, what? (laughs) I'm like, what is going on here? Why are you not going to have it in six weeks? Just why don't you hand it over? And I got to see, once I stepped over to the manufacturer side, really all that goes into it because I didn't understand all the components, sometimes the politics that go into really moving something from from the seedling of an idea all the way to just the testing phase, not the implementation phase, but just to get to that testing phase. So really like just help me understand that process and understand what are the levers and how do you need to translate that through organization? So you can see that each one of these people had a pretty interesting uh, outlook on their career and what they learned. And this helps me understand what's going on in the trenches. 
So as a few of my guests hit the stage, I asked them about their perspective on what's happening in their world. Here is Grace Ferraccio, Assistant Director of Category Leadership at Kraft Heinz, and Chris Conroy, Head of Category Leadership, on the stage together. Some of the big things is everyone's looking at economic trends right now. And as we've heard about today, economy is a big thing and that is big with channel blurry, right? So when you have dollar stores, how are they going to be impacted by this economic downturn that we're seeing? Um, So that is a lot of what we are seeing in stores. Additionally, there's a lot of products coming to market and there is a limited space on shelves. So how do you bring these new products to market and who deserves to be there and who deserves to get the most space? We're getting better with our shopper car panel data, right? And that really separates out the shopping experience for us. Um, and so that helps is to see when people pick or click and collect, what's their experience look like? What are they buying? When they buy exclusive brick and mortar, when they mix across, what do they look like? So that's where we're really starting is what's that look like? Uh, we're also spending a lot this year on understanding retailer profitability so that we can speak more to that. So that's an area that we really have to dig in on. And then how do we rethink the shopping experience and the the overall store? Is there a warehouse in the store that helps or is it all on shelf? So there are a lot of dynamics that are taking place within our industry. One segment that continues to grow in importance is natural. I found a few folks who are either directly playing in the space or have their category impacted by natural's development. I brought up Doris Vaught again from Nature's Way of what's currently going on in a segment overall. Because more and more bigger players are getting into the natural vitamin and supplement space, the biggest challenge and opportunity for us is to be relevant, to be affordable, and to have a point of difference. And because the landscape is so complicated, it's an everyday challenge. Heather Riedinger Senior National Category Manager and and Sales Insights Team Leader at Beechnut provided an interesting take on the impact of natural within the baby food category. Just like any other category, they've all been shifting more natural and organic, right? Um, they're, They're looking for convenience. I don't think it's much different from most of the other categories. Um, what's different, though, is that they tend to over-index, meaning that it's more important to them to be more natural and organic. So that household might not be as natural and organic, but those baby purchases are. Um, so that's, you know... will potentially split the basket. They may make trade-offs for themselves so they can purchase that more premium item for their babies. So natural is obviously uh, developing and having an impact on the landscape. Another dynamic that's taking place, and I think we all are experiencing that, is with e-commerce. It is at the tip of everyone's tongue in the industry, and many of us are more familiar with approaches to brick and mortar. Several of my guests weighed in. Justin Lay, a former Amazon vet, gave me a one-on-one class on the initial stages of category management within the online space and what to consider when looking at online merchandising. Uh, you know, back at Amazon, I remember the first time I interacted with a category manager and they rolled into our office and they wanted to meet in person, which was a little weird. 
Uh, and they brought like these books and these like things and they had flip charts and customer personas and all of these things that we knew ha- we had no idea what they're talking about. And not only did we not have any idea what they're talking about, we didn't know what to do with any of this information because traditional category management really for the most part in most e-commerce platforms is automated. The way the products are merchandised is an automated algorithm. The way that um, you run, the way you do category management in a lot of cases is really sort of an automated system. So it's less about like applying, telling the retailer what to do, and it's more understanding how do the retailer's programs work, and as a category manager, how do I insert the data in the right way, in the right format, so that that retailer markets and, and manages my category the way I want them to. And so it's less about a conversation, more about a deep understanding, and then knowing how do I get my stuff into the system and make it work for me. E-commerce is everything. It's trucks and clicks and keywords and all kinds of things, but they break it down and give you a pyramid of understanding that has the seven steps to being successful. You start at the basics. Is this product gonna work on e-commerce? Is it economically viable? And works yourself all the way up into understanding how to uh, achieve customer awareness and drive demand to your products. So they start you at the bottom or wherever you are in your learning journey and make sure you have all the tools tools you need to be successful. You know, at the beginning of COVID, I was like on on the fanboy side of e-commerce saying, oh, we just took a 20 leap forward and we're never going back. We are lazy people that like to be on our couch and just bring it to me. And if you would, unwrap it and put it in my mouth. Like that's where I thought e-commerce was headed to. Um, And I think that we learned pretty pretty clearly over the last year the customers like shopping in stores too they like discovery they like to touch things and feel things and so that's important i think in the future what you'll see is just a continual shift towards using more and more digital tools and e-commerce in terms of delivering click and collect will help fulfill it but this merging of experiences and the fact that customers want to touch stuff isn't going away that's that's who we are i followed up with others who gave their in the trenches commentary on the effects of e-commerce throughout the industry. Eric Lupke, Director of Category Leadership, U.S. Grocery and Channels at Tyson, provides his insights on the changes he sees. I did get the pleasure of, uh, in the e-com, helping Tyson, was it five years ago, six years ago, start that part of our our company. Okay. And so, and the biggest challenge we had and why we did it is, well, all of our product, other we have some frozen, is very perishable. It goes bad quick. And it's uh, what a lot of people want to pick out in store themselves or having someone else pick up for them. We're still battling today. I will tell you, it has slowly gotten bigger, like percent of sales for retailers over the years. It's still one of the lowest in the grocery store by far. COVID helped. we're trying to figure out why it is a little bit of that preference we've done studies on it and we actually the what's helped a lot and twofold we actually did a study a year ago uh europe south korea some other markets are way more developed and fresh called me produce than we are but they've had it longer so what are they doing there that we could then use in the u.s to help that and there was some actually great ideas a they're better like the building the meal sort of thing making it easier sure they're better with uh they guarantee shelf life online and call it out uh, and things of that nature. And another great idea that's come that we're actually having with retailers is not so much selling online as educating the people in store like a Kroger that picks a product how to get the right steak, how the right chicken breast. Because if you order once online or a shopper what they've told us, and if you get a bad protein, you're never going to do it again. 100%. So a little bit is the execution store and getting people to know what the quality looks like and pick it out the right way. 
After talking with Eric and, and specifically focusing in the fresh area, I tracked down Heather once again from Beechnut, who gave her perspective on baby. Online is still growing. It's a it's been buzzed for so long that everybody's laser focused on it. For us being mainly grocery channel, we're not gonna pick up baby food at the at the gas station. Um, you know, we're really focused on brick and mortar, but you have to make sure that online you've got everything very easy to again back to convenience. I can click on it, I know what it means. Baby food products are very small, ingredients are super important so you just making sure it's more on the marketing side of things that you've got all of that content accurate from a data side of things um, just kind of looking to see if there's any nuances between those trips and and making sure you're visible um, to get to get that conversion to put it in the basket Heather touched on data which brings me to the next topic we are in an environment where data is endless. It can be a challenge to handle all the information that is at our fingertips. She provides her thoughts on how to decide what to share and how to share it. Actually, I just came out of a, a session where, where they were talking about that. You have to ask the question. So his example was, I need this number that tells me how many trips for this at X retailer. And really you have to say, why do you need that number? And then you know where I can get it and not just where I can get the number, but what are you using it for so that I can give you that context. I can give you a number, but you don't know if that's a good number compared to other categories, compared to last year, compared to pre-COVID. Um, so yeah, I think just, I've, I've worked with so many different data sets and that allows you to understand, you just need to understand, and this conference actually really has helped me with that. Who's out there, what do they have, and how can I use it? One of the topics that was a main focus at our conference is space management. And I had the pleasure to speak with a few people around that area. Chris Conroy at Kraft Heinz tees up the conversation with how the shopper experience needs to be at the forefront of everything that we do. There's a couple things that we need to think about. The first is the shopper, right? We always start there. Um, we really want to make sure that we're good no matter where the shopper encounters our retail partners, right? So if they're brick and mortar, if they're click and collect, if they are exclusively online, we want to make sure the experience is as good as it can be. So the shopper. The other piece of it is the reality to the retailer, right? There's a profit impact of having people pick the orders and making sure that it's easy to shop for the picker. And so for us, we're starting to think about how are we good for the shopper, good for the picker, good for the retailer from a profit standpoint, and balance all those. Dave King, who is Director of Visual Merchandising at Rite Aid, has spent a number of years in the practice. I had to ask him about what he is seeing in his world. Small stores are trying to fit in a lot of... Uh, a lot of different categories. Our stores are about 10,000 square feet. We have about 125 planograms, 22,000 SKUs. I'll think. Everything from socks and underwear to cold medicine to food and beverages, beer, wine, and wow, and a lot of businesses. We've uh, redesigned our stores to feature them in certain markets. So we have a, a cluster of stores that really puts the emphasis on good for you. And then we have other stores that are more uh, geared towards 
uh, commerce oh. in, in, in the neighborhood, like a city store, you know, where people are coming to get food and beverage first and, sure. and uh, go see the pharmacist and get some cold medicine. Chrissy Love, another veteran, gave her thoughts as the Shopper Space Management Director at Mondelez. So I do think we're a little bit earlier stages. So my focus, or my team is focused on space management more so. In this past year, we were more so focused on building that thought leadership of how we need to show up in store. And I think our charge this year is how do we have more of that omni lens? So like even if you think about brick and mortar, um, everybody's suffering from um, supply issues. But is some of that supply issues because we can't get the product there? Are we calculating days of supply incorrectly? Because now we have so many people purchasing online and you have pickers going to that shelf and and picking up, you know, maybe product X, Y, and Z at such a faster rate. And sometimes those sales are not accounted for in your POS data. So as we're calculating those days of supply and really trying to understand what are the correct number of facings that we need to build for each SKU, that data is not being loaded in. So I think that's where we are on our journey is really understanding how do we segment these different stores, these different markets to really understand what is that omnipresence in that market, in that store, so that we can accurately predict and forecast how many facings we need of a product, how much supply do we need to have there so that we're not, when we can't actually supply our product, <laughs> they're, they're on the shelf where they need to be. Okay, as a shopper insights or category management professional, there are certain things that you have to have in your toolkit in order to be effective. We heard in many of our previous episodes of our cast that storytelling is a key element needed both in the category management or shopper insights arena. Grace Ferraccio tells us her approach to sharing information so that it is compelling and motivates someone to move. So the way we do it is with the setting, the conflict, the characters, right? So we have a robust storyboard that before we even dive in, we take the time to step back and map everything out. So before we go diving into anything, we create hypotheses and then we really work through what the story could be and bring it to life before we even set foot in the PowerPoint. With that knowledge, we found a great nugget on how Doris Vaught with Nature's Way uses storytelling in real time. Because we are a small to mid-sized company, sometimes it's hard to get your voice heard Yes, because of some of the larger players. And we have to lean into what makes us special. And it really is about the natural component. Sometimes people want a more natural option. Yeah. Um, and so we really have to show that the consumer wants it, the shopper wants it at shelf, and we are a good solution. And so we're trying to create those storytelling minutes that there was a wonderful um, breakout this morning talking about storytelling and to really hone our story so that the buyer can see it's a solution for their shoppers and then choose us. That's a lot. We've hit a number of topics during this conference, hours of recording, and a lot of it focused in obviously the grocery and just general retail channel. But we had a very special guest join me on stage with a very unique way her organization is considering using category management. Her name is Naomi Escoffrey, and she is deputy to the deputy assistant director 
acquisition and sustainment for, you guessed it, the federal government. Specifically, the Defense Health Agency under Secretary of Defense Austin. So why was she at the conference? Listen to her thoughts. And so while we may not be buying like a Target or a Walmart or a grocery store, we are buying services to support the military hospitals. We're buying services to support the military um, active duty that actually going out to fight war to keep our nation safe. So why not use principles that are great principles to make that better? And, and I mean, we all hear the news. You know, if you haven't, I'm not sure where you've been, but we all hear that the debt ceiling has to be raised every so often. Well, we have a sliver of that responsibility. As, civil, as civilians, we take an oath every year, or well, not every year, but we take an oath and we actually become a civilian and military alike. And we're saying that we're going to actually spend the government's money in a very... Um, I don't know the oath by heart, but it's one of those like we're going to do it ethically, right? We're going to make sure that when we spend the money, it's something that it's smart. It's something that's actually going to bring value to the community, to the community that we serve as the federal government. And so when the debt ceiling rises and we're not managing that, then we have to take a look at ourselves and say, hey, how are we going to do this better? It's like getting your project management professional certification, right? You may not do project management the way that they're teaching you the methodology, but you can glean principles from that and apply it within your particular programs. I would like to champion that with the government with CMA. I would like to take the principles of category management, go to all the other federal agencies, because within the Defense Health Agency, well, within the DOD alone, there are 40 federal agencies that are now required. That's, and that's just the agencies that are within my community. There's so many more, but we're required to actually implement category management across our contracts. And we're talking, you know, this is not any secret information. We're talking billions of dollars that we're responsible for managing that we have to manage better. So if we can take an opportunity to do that here, and I think what entices people is the the opportunity to innovate and to grow, and that's where training comes in. Because if I tell a young person coming into the agency, hey, I have a track for you, and that track is category management, and here's training, here's certifications, then that helps them propel to another career. Um, within our organization, we have several people that are on their second and third careers within the federal government, because they serve for 20 years, right? They got they retired from the military, they come to our organization, or they were a contractor, retired there, come to our organization. So we have a great opportunity to really span this across so many generations that are coming in. And again, just really develop a culture of being mindful of our spending and as being good stewards of it. So you can see you are in a field that truly has an impact across all of society. So as we come to the end of our episode, I thought it would be great to give a closing thought that Eric Lubke from Tyson had when recommending what to do for someone starting or currently in the trenches. Really twofold. I think in whatever role you're in, be engaged and proactive, you know, find, just go have fun. I mean, there's a, a note the other day in the speaker, like, look under rocks, be curious and that, but also... And, you know, build your skills, but be open to alternate routes than straight up. That was mine. I mean, for a while there, I thought, you know, I'll be a manager, senior manager, Justin Kaman, director, then VP. Yeah. I actually, I don't think if I would have taken that route, I never got to where I am today. Going to Shopper Insights, doing e-commerce, uh, being open to those experiences made me more well-rounded, better network. 
better better ability to speak to various people and retailers and internally about our business problems and strategies, and that's made a difference. And it's it's fun doing a variety of different things. I mean, you only you only got one one shot at this career thing. You might as well experience a few different ones in my mind. Well, there you have it. Nine guests live on stage in Las Vegas. You've just listened to a special episode of ArtCast. Please look forward to more interesting stories and people in the weeks to come. For more information on our podcast, go to www.catman.global slash ArtCast. Hey, if you know someone who is just hitting it out of the park, fill out the form at the bottom of our webpage. We'd love to have them on the show. And if you see value in this podcast, Share it with your friends, share it with your colleagues, share it with your family. I don't care, you can share it with your cat. So with that, I'm James Jackson, your host, signing off, and you've been in the trenches.